Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, from the Star Rental Sports Desk, your 93.3 KJRFM Sports Headlines. It's not helping me. Uh, here we go. Headlines from the VMAC. Are we on the air, by the way? Headlines from the VMAC are brought to you by our friends at VenueKings.com. Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? You looking for tickets for the Angels and Mariners this weekend? Jump on the web and go to VenueKings.com. Use code SOFIA checkout for a discount. All right, MLB trade deadline is gone. The Mariners did acquire Jake Lamb from the Dodgers, the former Husky. Matt Boyd, by the way, from the San Francisco Giants. He's a starting pitcher. He's been rehabbing the entire year. Uh, and he had a 3.89 ERA in 13, sorry, 15 games started last year with the Tigers. Uh, Mariners also getting a catcher, Kurt Caselli, from the Giants as well. The deadline was very kind to the Padres, by the way. They grabbed Juan Soto from the Nationals, plus first baseman Josh Bell in a six-player package. Padres also trading for Reds third baseman Brandon Drury in exchange for prospect shortstop Victor Acosta, and the Padres then sent first baseman Eric Hosmer to Boston after he refused to be a part of the deal with the Nationals, and the Yankees sent Joey Gallo to the Dodgers. Phillies getting closer David Robertson from the Cubs. Uh, Sounders, 6.30 pregame with Dallas Dallas tonight, 7 o'clock kickoff, of course, right here at 93.3 KJRFM. Time for John Wilner right now. It's time for our weekly Pac-12 conversation with San Jose Mercury News reporter John Wilner. Brought to you by Simply Seattle. Our friends at SimplySeattle.com have the most amazing collection of all things Seattle. Seahawks gear, UW hats, and the largest selection of Sonics gear anywhere in the world. Learn more at SimplySeattle.com. All right, big thanks to our friends at SimplySeattle.com. You're looking for tickets for this weekend. They got tickets for Friday night when you buy 30 bucks worth of Mariner gear on their website. Just use code TICKET in your cart when you check out on the website at SimplySeattle.com. Hell of a deal. 30 bucks. The Mariner's gear gets you a free ticket for the game on Friday. All right, joining us right now on the radio show, here he is, the Pope of the Pac-12, coming off media day, baby, in L.A. over the weekend on Friday, our friend Johnny Wilner. John, how are you, pal? What's going on? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Good. Good to hear your voice. Good to have you back on the show. Uh, you obviously... Same to you. Yeah, Same thank to you. you thank you. Appreciate that. You obviously went into media day uh, with a lot of uh, questions. Uh, did you get the answers that you were looking for a couple days ago in Los Angeles? I did not uh, to the most important questions, but I think that it, was, uh, it wasn't realistic to expect that there were going to be definitive answers to the you know the matters of Pac-12 survival versus Pac-12 extinction right it's it's still too early in this process to know what the direction is going to be uh, I still feel like I think I have got the survival as a four point favorite over extinction and that's a neutral field four points so <laughs> okay. you know pretty pretty solid but it's certainly not not anything guaranteed well what in more detail uh, would have you liked to have known. Uh, had they been willing to disclose it to you? Well, I certainly like who you're looking at for expansion, because I think we know, but I'm not positive we know. 
uh, you know, what kind of feedback have you gotten from your media partners, if any, was certainly uh, a big one. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly what have the president said that, that leads you to believe that they're willing to, to give this a go uh, together. You know, but I think it's important for, for fans to kind of get the big picture on all this. And everything starts with the Big Ten, right? The Big Ten is in the middle of their media rights negotiations, which is the reason USC and UCLA made the move when they did, right? Until the Big Ten uh, basically closes the books on its new TV contract, the Pac-12 doesn't know how much money all the various media networks have available, and it doesn't know which ones are going to be more interested in in Pac-12 football, right? The best-case scenario for the Pac-12 is for ESPN to get shut out of the Big Ten's new contract because that will drive up ESPN's interest in getting Pac-12 football because Mm -hmm. it needs programming. The worst-case scenario is for all the major networks to get some of the Big Ten because that will lower their interest in in signing a deal with the Pac-12. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly makes sense. What are the odds of that happening? What are the odds of ESPN not carrying Big Ten football whatsoever? I think they're pre- the odds are pretty good that ESPN is going to get less than it wants or less than it has had. So at that point, you know, th- there may be some real interest. You know, Fox is expected to, Fox is the reason FC and UCLA are making this move, and Fox is expected to kind of corner the market, uh, and potentially with CBS jumping in there, right? CBS needs to replace the SEC game of the week. So, you know, if you got something where Fox and NBC and CBS have the vast majority of Big Ten football, ESPN could really, the supply-demand calculation could, could tip in the Pac-12's favor. You mentioned that uh, uh, obviously we're all waiting on the Big Ten here, and and if ESPN doesn't get a piece of it, that they've got to fill the program in, and the value of for the Pac-12 goes up. But uh, beyond that dynamic, uh, have you seen? Has there typically been like a multiplier? Like you say, okay, uh, if the Big Ten is worth, you know, every dollar for the Big Ten, the Pac-12 is uh, the Pac-10 now is going to get. Uh, you know, eighty cents or ninety or fifty or whatever. Is, is there some kind of you know we see that in contracts and in sports where say okay if he's worth this, then he's not quite as valuable, but at least that helped set the market. It does, is that type of uh, interplay in, 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 uh, available to the Pac-12? It used to be. That's kind of how this thing has unfolded with the conferences and their network partners you know, over the last few decades, right? Yeah, you're, you're ESPN, you want to make sure everybody's happy, you want to make sure everybody is in range with everyone else. But I, that doesn't, I don't think that exists anymore. Uh, partly because of the way people are, you know, consuming content, partly because of the the network's desperate needs for the, the, the teams that generate the highest ratings. So I, I don't think you could do that anymore. I think the Pac-12's best case is you know fifty percent of of what the Big Ten's going to get, uh, maybe maybe even forty forty five percent. But there it, there isn't the the same kind of framework that you used to have, where you could 
you could sort everybody based on the, the top dollars. I, I don't think that exists anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, put your crystal ball hat on for a second. And, you know, I was on with a station today in Portland. They were asking me, hey, what does this look like in five years? I mean, I don't know. Probably my best guess is in five years it's it's the Pac-10 still without USC and UCLA. And, you know, maybe they're closer then to bringing somebody else on or joining another conference. But what do you see this thing looking like in five years from now? I would say that the best bet, and it's not, I don't know that it's a better than 50% chance, but I think the most likely outcome is that the Pac-12 stays together and adds a couple of schools and kind of moves forward from there, right? I'm not sure that, I think Big Ten expansion into more expansion to the West Coast, Washington, Oregon, the Bay Area, I think that hinges on Notre Dame. And I don't know that Notre Dame wants to join the the Big Ten. So without the Irish, I think the Big Ten stands down, and the Pac-12 has got a is a twelve, maybe a fourteen team conference, but probably a twelve team conference. Five years from now, the Big Twelve is the Big Twelve, the ACC is the ACC, and then you've got the two sixteen team leagues. I think when we'll see the the next wave. You know, could be eight to ten years off, and at that point, you're talking about two, you know, twenty-four to twenty-eight team, you know, basically super conferences, and then everybody else. Well, Klyovkov made it clear that that he's been empowered uh, by the presidents to 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 at least explore expansion. So, you've kind of referenced it a couple of times. Uh, who do you think, if if the Pac-12 Pac 12 is going to have two, I was going to say Pac-10 plus now two, who would be the most likely schools to join? There's not a whole lot of options, I don't think. Um, San Diego State, to me, is would be top of the list. I, I think you, know, you need to have a good presence in Southern California, right? They're talking about playing football games in L.A. Yeah. Uh, to maintain that presence. And you can play some neutral site games in L.A., but I don't know how many you're going to play every year. And if you got San Diego State in your conference, right, that is 90 minutes from, from, from L.A., all those powerhouse uh, programs. It gives you a real foothold, more, more than just playing a few football games does. So I, I think San Diego State would, ha- would be near the top of the list. Mm. I think they might consider trying to get into into Texas and maybe going after SMU, which is not in the Big 12 and is probably gettable and helps get you into that Dallas market. But there's not, and this has been the problem for the Pac-12 for years, since Texas and Oklahoma were have been off the table. There's just not that many options because there's a lack of, you know, a lack of schools in the western half of the country. There just aren't that many football programs. Yeah, well, whatever they do is obviously inferior to what they had. There's nothing that they could do, uh, realistically, that would replace USC and UCLA, even equal USC and UCLA. And I just wonder if they're at a point in time, John, this conference where they're staring the reality in the face of they're going to be a Pac-10 for the foreseeable future. And to stay relevant, they're going to have to schedule as many big-time non-conference games as possible, like Gonzaga does in basketball and Boise State did in football, obviously, and and try to you know make some waves in September. Uh, I mean, what else can they do? I'm not sure. I think that that is their basically that is their 
their destiny. Destiny, you know, whether they got San Diego State or not, or somebody else or not, that's their basic destiny. But the, it's not that much different from the Big 12's destiny or the ACC's, right? I mean, if Clemson goes through a period where, you know, they're not a 12-win team, they're an eight or a nine-win team. You know, I don't know. The ACC is not any better. Those three conferences are basically the same. You know, it's only a matter of degrees, whereas you got the big two and the other three. So that is that is the uh, the end game, and that's part of the reason why the likes of Washington and Oregon and Stanford would love to get a call from the Big Ten. When I first heard the uh, story, John, USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten and, the, you know, the, the rapid uh, – uh, uh, agreement by the Big Ten presidents to accept uh, that invitation. Um, I figured it's a fait accompli. But uh, I, since then, I hear you know Gavin Newsom doesn't want this Board of Regents, and and I feel like there's a growing swell of possibility that this gets shut down and UCLA, in fact, doesn't go to the Big Ten. You said uh, um, uh, uh, the onset of our program that uh, survival is a four-point favorite. I think you said. Yep. Handicap. What's what? What's the favorite? Who the favorite? As far as UCLA, actually, given all these dynamics, actually going to the Big Ten uh, versus the uh, the red tape and the bureaucracy shutting them down, and they have to stay in the Pac-12. What's uh, how do you handicap that? I mean, I think it's uh, overwhelming. UCLA going to the Big Ten is like a eighteen point favorite over okay. UCLA reversing course. I mean, that's a that's. Um, a very, very unlikely. I do not believe that there is a legal recourse for the University of California Regents, Board of Regents, to block the move. The only way it would not happen is if basically it becomes too unseemly for UCLA financially and, uh, you know, in other regards. There's too much pressure on them and their, pre- their chancellor kind of caves under the pressure. But it's not going to get blocked legally. Um, and the way it happens financially is the, the U- University of California Board of Regents slaps UCLA with a, a subsidy, essentially, yeah. to compensate Cal for revenue lost. And then all of a sudden, the, the financial calculation changes for the Bruins, and it's not the overwhelming, you know, it's not the no-brainer that it had been. And their their chancellor gets cold feet. That's that's the only way it would happen. But I, I also think it is extremely unlikely. It's not zero, but yeah. it is in the like five percent, oh. maybe ten percent chance. Well, what they need is to start playing some damn games. They need to get to September, and they need to get Michigan State and Georgia right on, on the calendar for teams like UW and teams like Oregon. And I don't know. It just kind of feels like the entire narrative, John, the entire conversation. And John Wilner again with us, courtesy of SimplySeattle.com. The entire conversation about this conference is going to be about their future. How much? I mean, I, I, I wasn't down there for obvious reasons this year, and it killed me not to be there. But how much chatter was there about what's happening on the field? How much, how much football conversation? was happening in LA. I mean, there was a fair amount of football conversation, right? You got all the coaches, you got two players from each team. Um, th- there was a there was a lot of football talk, and I think a lot of people wanted to talk about football, right? Just it's it would be something different, uh, changing the narrative a little bit. But you know, there's also it's not even an elephant in the room. It's like this woolly mammoth, right? Yeah, and it's just standing there on the stage with the commissioner and there's no, there's no way to avoid it. But that was the same thing. I mean, the big 10, right. They want to talk about football 
that, but there's still a lot of questions about USC and UCLA, the Big 12's version, even the ACC, which is not involved in losing or gaining teams right now. There was a lot of talk at its media event about the future of the conference, which is not as, as, uh, solid as, as you, you might think. So it's this whole, uh, dynamic is, is basically swallowed up the summer for college football. Now that you've been an eyewitness to that, uh, what was it like for the uh, the principals at USC and UCLA? Was there stink eye going around? Were they walking around like they had a booger hanging out of their nose? <laughs> like, like what, 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 was it just business as usual? I mean, what, was there any backlash that you were able to observe? No, there was not. And you know, part of that's because no, everybody knows the players have nothing to do with it, right? I mean, you're yeah. gonna, nobody's going to say. To, to UCLA and USC players who were there, you know, what the heck's going Absolutely. on here? Certainly, the players and coaches got asked about it. Hey, Lincoln Riley, what do you think about the Big Ten? Chip Kelly, how many miles is it from UCLA to uh, Lincoln, Nebraska? <laughs> right. And he, he knew exactly how many miles it was, mm. down to the actual mile. Uh, but no, Because everybody knows they're not part of it, right? If the athletic directors had been there, then it would have been a different dynamic because mm. they were part of the decision-making process. But, you know, in some ways, the coaches and players, are they're just patsies in this whole thing, right? Yeah. It's crazy, Amen. man. It's crazy how this whole thing is just kind of taken off and everyone's fending for themselves. And I don't blame them, by the way, the teams that are left. All right, John. Great stuff, man. Appreciate this, and we'll talk in a week, pal. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, John. All right, John Wilner with us. And, you know, look, I mean, it's obviously it's problematic for everybody who's still left in this conference. The Pac-12 already had a horrible reputation and a horrible perception among a lot of people, and now it's gotten worse with USC and UCLA taking off. And I found it funny that, you know, they came out and talked about all the championships they've won and blah, blah, blah. Well, you realize like 45% of those titles were won by (laughs) UCLA and USC, and now they're leaving the conference. So what what does your gut tell you? Uh, Well, I, I think they're gone. Um, John Wilner's a lot better equipped to to handicap that. He says it's 18 points. Uh, I would have thought it'd be closer to 10. But the the, the point being is is it, what what really hurts is now we have to sit here and talk about what was already a depleted Pac-12 in the eyes of everybody yeah. across the country. All right. Imagine where they were with UCLA and USC. And yeah. Not without and now he's, right. and now now people from other time zones are going to say, well, "Hang on a second. You guys, your sorry ass conference traded USC for San Diego State. Yeah, and yeah. And, and you want to think you Whoa. maintain equal credibility? I, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I, I I would think if I'm George Klyovkov, and maybe there's some financial aspect here that I'm missing. I think I would rather just keep it at ten than bring on San Diego State and SMU. I mean, the perception of that just kind of feels like a desperate move and. Is it, is it really worth bringing them on to divvy up the pie even even more by two two more spots? I mean, you're talking about the San Diego market and the fifth fiddle in Dallas. Does that do much yeah, for you? Uh, well, you know, he's saying that that maybe the conference wants to have that footprint in Southern California. Uh, it, it's then go play games me, there, like John know. talked about. Go play yeah. neutral site game. Make everybody play one game a year at SoFi Stadium or the Rose Bowl every single year. Now, I don't know. Does UCLA own the Rose Bowl? They don't own the Rose Bowl, right? The Bruins, no, UCLA, it's owned by the city of Pasadena. So you could, you know, realistically play neutral site games in Los Angeles. I mean, hell, you know, Gonzaga goes out of the West Coast Conference footprint and plays a game in Seattle every single year. 
Why can't the Pac-12 yeah. do that? Yeah, well, that, that sounds a little desperate as well. But, sure. But, but you could certainly. I, I think that the the path to restoration involves expansion of the college football playoff. If we got to get off of four Which will teams, happen eventually, I think. Well, I, I think it's got to happen sooner yeah. than later. Too and, much money. And then if you have a, a guaranteed conscripted conference champion from the Pac-10. Yeah. Uh, that that's guaranteed. You could see some other, you know, maybe it's Washington, maybe it's Oregon. Utah has been coming on, right? Uh, you, you know, there may be some. It doesn't have to be the entire conference. Nobody has their entire conference. But if you have two or three emergent powerhouses, I could envision in 10 years some of the credibility, mm-hmm. uh, a good percentage of the credibility being restored. Hell, what has USC really done for the conference yeah. since? Lately, since, not much. Well, right? there's, a, there's, there's a way to restore the credibility, and un- unfortunately, it involves Oregon beating Georgia in the opener. I mean, yeah, makes yeah. you want to... Utah and at Florida, right? right? I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, I guess. I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. I violated my Starbucks rule in the last four weeks <laughs> for my dad. Right. My yeah. dad is literally laying in a hospice yeah. bed right now and wanted cookies from starbucks so he got them yeah it's well the first time i've bought anything from there yeah. in 13 years yeah you prioritize so i mean i had to do it yeah, right yeah, i haven't I, I didn't buy some for myself i didn't i didn't consume anything from starbucks but i got a rule that i don't give those guys anything and dad's dying and dad dad wants cookies from starbucks he gets yeah. cookies from starbucks yeah. so general rule of thumb never ever ever root for oregon and anything but if them beating georgia helps get this thing jump started again I don't know, man. Sacrifices, I guess, baby. Well, I think oh, right God, now, it makes me never, sick. never in our lifetime have we seen the the stature of the Pac-12 this low. You know, as I cited. Totally I, I agree think, with you. Yeah, uh, totally agree you know, with you. Washington, so think about what yes, you did you know New Year's Day. Uh, uh, USC, UCLA, and UW all winning three big bowl games. Three right? of the four majors, yeah. On the S- same day. SC beat and here Ohio we are. State and Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Washington beat Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. UCLA beat the Miami Hurricanes and in the Fiesta. Here we are, thirty-seven if, if years that later. That happened today. You know, you think of all the panelists they have now, and you know, like ESPN all sitting around. They said, "Hey, this point set match right. as far as the best conference in football. Right. That's checkmate. Right. Like right. three of the four are just won by one conference. Right. And so, at least for that particular year, and and I, I, I think I, I know I mentioned this to Fane. Maybe you haven't heard this, but when the Huskies beat Michigan. In the '92 Rose Bowl, the '91 season, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to win a share of the national championship, yeah, thirty-four fourteen. That ended a twenty-five-year period. That was the final year of a twenty-five-year period where the Pac-10 won twenty out of twenty-five Rose Bowls. Mm. <clears throat> okay, those and, days are and over. Of those twenty-five, the uh, the Pac-10 had the higher-ranked team on only nine of 25 of those games. And of the Big Ten losses, of which there were 20, 15 of those losses featured a Big Ten team ranked in the top five, coming out west, right. and we said, come on out, take your beat down, right? Yeah. And yeah. At, those facts are indisputable. I mean, you're talking about a, a generation yeah. where the Pac-10 won 80% of the Rose Bowls. Uh, Warren Moon has sounded off on the controversy, if you will, involving Kyler Murray. We're going to hit on that next. Coming up from the VMAX off the and Dick. You in for Dick on 93.3 KJRFM. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hear us anywhere, anytime on Alexa or Google Play at Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM and on the iHeartRadio app. Now back to Softy and Dick. All right, we are back. Softy and Dick without Dick. Hugh Millen in for Dick Fane. Marquise Goodwin will join us coming up at 610 from the VMAC. Uh, Sounders FC pregame coming up 6.30, 7 o'clock kickoff with Dallas Jackson Feltz has that for you. So there was a story that came out a couple days ago yeah. where in Kyler Murray's new contract, the Cardinals had put a clause into his deal where he had to spend a certain amount of time by himself, apparently, in, in solitary confinement watching film, Right. And the insinuation, the assumption that people had when they saw that is, well, there's a reason why the Cardinals put that in there because Kyler Murray's not watching film. He's not studying. He's not devoting enough time to breaking things down. So uh, our old buddy Warren Moon, former Husky, uh, former uh, Hawk, uh, came out and said that the uh, part of Kyler Murray's contract that required a certain amount of time each week to be dedicated to independent film study was, quote, a slap in the face to all African-American quarterbacks. I'm just going to repeat what Warren said here, Hugh. Uh, He said, quote, it's something we were always accused of back in the day when they didn't let us play, Uh, that we were lazy, that we didn't study, that we couldn't be leaders, that we weren't smart. So all those different things just came to the surface after we had put all that stuff to bed over the years, and just because of this deal that's gone on between Arizona and Kyler Murray. He says it was very embarrassing uh, to have that happen to uh, Kyler Murray. And I was thinking about our buddy Billy Joe Hobart, another former Husky, who admitted when he was in Buffalo he didn't know the playbook. Didn't didn't read the playbook when he was in Buffalo, and he got cut because of that. So... There's a lot of quarterbacks yeah. that don't put enough time and effort into film study or playbook study. It's been documented many times before. Sure. sure. Well, a, a couple things. First of all, there, there's no question that Warren Moon has uh, a scar tissue there mm-hmm. from what he experienced. He unquestionably was a victim of racism throughout his uh, career, particularly early on. And, and uh, so I can understand that take. Uh, uh, secondly, I think it shouldn't. Be, need to be said, but I'll, I'll just say it unequivocally, all racism should be condemned. We, sh- we need to identify it and try and eradicate it, right? Yeah. Um, but not I, I think misidentifying racism can hurt where we, we don't target on real racism. And that could be in play here in the following regard. That, that clause was initiated, and, ha- and the intimation is that had Kyler Murray been white, that the clause wouldn't have been in there. For example, you say Baker Mayfield. He was also a, a number one overall pick. Had he done the exact same things, yeah. uh, would the Cardinals, Cardinals have instituted that clause? Well, first of all, let's look at how the Cardinals are disposed towards Kyler Murray. You have Cl- Cliff Kingsbury, when he was at Texas Tech, he said, that dude should be the number one overall pick in the draft. He had right. no idea right. uh, that he was going to be the Cardinal coach. Then he becomes the Cardinal coach, and he has a chance to put his money where his mouth is. And despite the fact that Josh Rosen had been the number 10 overall pick just the year before, he says, no, I want Kyler Murray, right? Mm-hmm. So so now you fast forward. 
clearly he's been uh, a model for Cliff Kingsbury. They gave him the contract when right. they could have pushed this out a couple of years. So I would submit to you that the Cardinals, the brass, the principals that are making these decisions are favorably disposed to Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so now what you have is just simply a, a, a question of the reason why it was instilled is because he didn't do the study that would have allowed them to not insist on the clause. For example, last December in a New York magazine, Kyler Murray said, quote, I think I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and just see it before it happens. I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. Right, right. And so I think that what you have is is there's no clear evidence uh, that had he been white that that clause wouldn't have been in there. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, I mean, white people can be lazy in that regard. Black people can be lazy in that regard. Asians can be lazy in that regard. You know why? Because they're people. And sometimes a trait of a person is laziness. Yeah. That's what that's that's one of the traits of a human being is laziness. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to talk to Warren about this on the air and get more thoughts from him. I always feel a little bit queasy and uncomfortable, I've told you before, with yeah. two white guys going on the air talking about this stuff. So I think it's important to get Warren's take on the air and get his thoughts on yeah. this. But, you know, look, I mean, if, if it was something the Cardinals thought was important to put in the contract and they observed behavior that led them to want to put this in there, then they should have a right to put it in there. Because he's their franchise quarterback. He's making 50, whatever it is, million bucks a year now. Well, I think I mean, my God. But knowing it's going to leak and how it's going to be interpreted, I I think it was a mistake. To put it in there? Yeah, I think it was a mistake. I I think if you're going to give him $232 million, you're already taking on that risk. And and I think that it serves more as an undermining of his leadership, of Kyler Murray's leadership. I understand why he signed it. That's a different conversation. Yeah, no, no, I understand. Yeah. I, I just think that, uh, but he you know, did sign that contract with that with that in there, with that notation in the contract. Yeah, and, and then Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray came out and spoke about it only after it became public. Yeah, and he said that, hey, it's ridiculous if you look at me at my stature. I'm paraphrasing uh, right. that that I wouldn't prepare. Though, that's a very subjective term. Do you prepare? What the Cardinal said specifically is, we want four hours from you. Sure. And uh, I, four I, I hours a week is that right? Four hours a week. How much time do quarterbacks put in to film study? Honestly, well, you have your film study at the facility. Right, you're there from eight in the morning, seven, seven, eight in the morning at a minimum. And a lot, you know, a lot of guys get there at six. I mean, look at Russell Wilson; he's one of the hardest working guys. I mean, he would, <laughs> you know, he would say, "I do four hours of study on my opponent before." Sunday morning or Monday morning at sure. six a.m. when I sure. when I go to the facility, like, sure. like he's already he's already doing all of that, right? So, uh, in any event, I think that Murray has the guy who has uh, who he should blame the most is himself. Hmm. That's his biggest problem. Himself, he brought this on himself, and and I think while uh, I understand Warren's history and what have you, I think in this instance, um, you just think of this. If you paraphrase what Martin Luther King said in regard to this, he would say, no, I just want black quarterbacks to be evaluated exactly like white quarterbacks. Yeah. Be evaluated on your preparation, your performance. That's it. Right. Not your skin color. And I right. think that that they are so favorably disposed to Kyler Murray that this was put in there because they said, you know what? 
we can get even more out of Kyler Murray if he studies. Sure, sure. Well, your your perspective though on that undermining Kyler yeah. Murray's leadership, totally agree with that. And honestly, I hadn't even thought of that, but you're exactly right. That hey, you're either with a guy or you're not. Yeah. Right. And if you're with them, then you're a hundred percent with them. And if you've got concerns in the back of your brain, then you better keep those to yourselves because you're going to end up screwing him over with his teammates. His teammates are going to yeah. start to think that, oh, this guy's lazy. He's an idiot. He can't do that if you're paying a guy what the Cardinals are paying Kyler Murray. But, you know, it's funny because I, I, I was actually thinking about, uh, I think it's Jason Cole wrote a book on the evolution of the black quarterback in America. Okay. And I think about where we've come from Doug Williams. Remember that? Sure. When he was asked how long he's been a black quarterback yeah, for, yeah. and he said all yeah, my life, right? Ever. Yeah. I'm looking at the top paid quarterbacks in the NFL uh, one, two, three. Three of the top four are African American in Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes. And three, four, five, five of the top nine are African American yeah. when you add Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. And I, I, I just think that the idea that, you know, we're at a point where it's a novelty or unique to have a black quarterback, I, I'm so beyond that right now. Yeah. I don't even think yeah. about those days anymore. I mean, C.J. Stroud and uh, Bryce Young are both African-American. They could be the top two picks in the draft next year, for God's sake. So that, to me, is just done. And I don't know. Maybe maybe there are people of power that still look yeah. at it differently. I got no idea. So, but that, yeah. that stuff doesn't even register with me Well, anymore. a couple comments. First of all, you said, okay, we're a couple of white guys talking about this. Right, um, right. First of all, I don't think you have to be old to have empathy for old people. I don't think that an oncologist has to have experienced cancer to be able to uh, treat his patients who have cancer. I mean, I, I, I don't think in all realms you have to have experienced this. Now, so I, I think that you just, if I'm imagining a couple hundred years from now where we have more racial harmony, yeah. I think that we're going to be able to have conversations like this. We're going to have conversations like this with black people. Like I had this very conversation with Maz Vida and Paul Johns, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, look, here's where I'm coming from. If 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 you need to kick me in the balls because I'm not seeing something, I'm ignorant, please tell me, right? You know, But this doesn't seem like a racist act. Now, what Pat Mahomes had to deal with, you say that, yeah. that, that yeah. things have changed. Yeah. yeah, That comment about somebody saying street ball. Right. So what, so what happened is Mike Sando talked to an anonymous, I think, defensive coordinator. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Who said that once you can get past the first read for Patrick Mahomes, he just plays street ball. Well, street ball. Which some people are insulted by that. I don't know. I mean, I think his brand of football is pretty freaking awesome, to be yeah. honest with you. And it kind of seems to work. So I don't know how insulting that really is. Well, it took me uh, back a little bit because, okay, if a white person used the N-word, when we all know that that's a racist slur, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 totally unacceptable, right? But there are some words you say, like thug, for example. You can use the word thug, and you can say, oh, I wasn't using a racist term. You know, there's white thugs. You know, and, and, and street ball, he, this coach might have said, well, I didn't mean it was racist, but you know what? I've had to comment for 10 years on Russell Wilson. I use the term off script yeah. occasionally because i got to use other terms. I, I might say playground. Right. But street ball, to me, connotates there's a certain that seems like a, a racist comment to me and it seemed like a racist comment to pat mahomes because he commented maybe you can pull his his reaction um to that so yeah. so i i didn't like that that's kind of seemed like a, a veiled slur to me 
and uh, and and yet he's talking about a dynamic. Let's 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 just focus on in on that comment about okay, your first read. If you have, let's say you're a quarterback coach, you got Tom Brady, and you got Pat Mahomes in your room, okay? And you say, well, wait a minute, why would they be on the same team? Well, Steve Young and Joe Montana were on the uh, same team at one point. But but just work with me on this. There are times where you say that you want the passer to become a runner, and that's a good thing. All right. So yeah. a lot of times they have you have a scale. You say in football, stronger the stronger you are, the better. If Vita Vey is a, is more strong, that's that's great. If a running back or a receiver is faster, that's great. But there are some attributes where you say you want to be in the middle, yeah. like Goldilocks, not right. too hot, not too cold. So what attribute am I talking about? I'm talking about a quarterback in the pocket, his propensity to turn a passing play into a running play. Right. Yeah. If you have Tom Brady, you say, dude, I never want you to become a runner unless the Red Sea parts. Mm-hmm. If you have Lamar Jackson, you say, look, if, if the primary isn't open and, and you don't think you have the time to get to the secondary, by all means be a runner. The defense is sure, retreating. Sure. You are dangerous because they're retreating and your wheels are going to impact us and help us win. So you're going to coach those guys different. Right, but occasionally they're going to make a mistake. Yeah, you're going to say, "Well, wait a minute, you bailed out of the pocket there, where if you you had the time to come back." And you say, "You know what? I'm trying to find a balance as to my frequency and proclivity to turn me as a passer into me as a runner." But based on their athleticism, it's going to vary, and you're going to coach them differently. Does that make sense? Of course. You're going to invite Lamar Jackson yeah. Yeah. to run right. more frequently than yes. you're going to invite yes. Josh Rosen to run. And I would tell Patrick Mahomes, hey, if the first read's not there, go. I mean, you're an unbelievable athlete. I would want him to do that. Well, he's... Now, there's certain ways to present it that, you know, in this culture, in this era, you can lessen the damage, you know, uh, from the reaction perspective. But, I mean, you know, whether it's saying a guy is playing street ball or he's going off script or he's improvising, isn't it all the same thing I, when it's all said and I done? I think improvising and off script are acceptable. I think playground – this is just me. Right. Just me. My, yeah. In terms of my filter, right. when I hear street ball in yeah. that context – I get it. Some people have a different reaction. It, I totally get it. It, yeah. it seems to have a yeah. racial overtone because I heard I Mahomes it. say, you know right. what, I right. took it as, as a yeah. racial Fine. slight. Fine. Well, then to get that same guy and have him say the same thing differently. Right, I mean, you wonder what honestly, what's the reaction if that coordinator? The terms matter, right? Says, says the same thing, but he says, "Hey, you know what? After his first read, it's like it's on the playground." Does that resonate differently? I think it does. Okay. I think I yeah. think there's a you know when you say okay, it just turns into street ball. I got you. I got you. Um, yeah. All right, let's get a break. Uh, more to come from the VMAC, including Marquise Goodwin joining us at about six ten tonight, right here on Sports Radio ninety three point three KJR FM. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hear us anywhere anytime on alexa or google play at sports radio 93.3 kjr fm and on the iHeartRadio app 
Now back to Softy and Dick. All right, boys and girls, Softy and Dick without Dick. Hugh Millen in for Dick Fain. Marquise Goodwin joining us in about 20 minutes for the Seahawk wide receiver court. Dab Gummit, you know what we haven't talked about at all since you've been with us? Talk. Your boy got signed. DK Metcalf. Yeah. Got his money. Okay. Yeah. Got his riches. And I heard you say something this morning on the morning show. I was driving around town and heard you talking to Chuck and Buck about uh, the wide receivers and uh, DK Metcalf's contract and his situation. I heard you say this morning that you think that DK Metcalf should get 190 targets every single year. Not 180, not 170, 190 targets. You realize the Cooper Cup had 145 last year. No, he didn't. He did. No. I'm sorry, 191, my fault. Okay. 191. So you want you want DK what Metcalf. Did, what did Devontae Adams have? Uh, Devontae Adams had 169. Tyreek Hill had 159. Justin Jefferson, a buck 67. How many, how many guys had 190? Uh, one. Cooper Cup. All right. Had 100. So you want DK Metcalf to be number one or number two to basically lead the NFL in targets every single year? Yeah, I wouldn't right? complain. Okay. I wouldn't complain. Is that realistic with Pete Carroll as the head coach? Uh, uh Probably not. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, I, I just think that there's a uh, an impetus in my mind to just move him around wherever you can, um, bubble screens, uh, smoke screens, mm-hmm. have him in the slot, running yep. little stick routes, little out routes, slants yep. over the middle. He can run every route, route. Oh, right? He can for sure run He can run, route. because yeah. Dick and I have had that conversation before, and who was it that was on the air with us? I, I wish I remember who it was. They came on the air and said that Cooper, oh, Randy Mueller. Randy Mueller was talking about that, right? We had this conversation about Randy's take on, uh, on 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 DK Metcalf that there may be routes in the route tree that he can't run. And I remember specifically hearing you on draft day saying, "Look, blame Ole Miss for not using him. Don't blame DK Metcalf for not running the routes. He can run every route you want. Ole Miss didn't ask him to do it, and you yeah, still believe that today? I, I, oh, I do. I think that there's a little bit of detail mm-hmm. in." How he's coached, I still think there's a little bit more that he could do in terms of uh, precision in his routes. Um, and I, I've given this a lot of thought through the years. Played with ten Pro Bowl wide receivers, eight Pro Bowl tight ends. Right. Coached at the high school level uh, and youth level for 24 seasons as a skill coach. So I'm coaching the quarterbacks and the receivers. And, you know, it's all relative. You say, what does high school have to do? High school has a hell of a lot to do with it. I was because, just going to say, what does high school have to do with it? Uh, um, no, well, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, I, kidding. I would say, well, you're, you're trying to beat high school defenders, right? Right. right. Um, and, and the principles of the route, your, your body position. For example, if I, was, if I had a, a session with DK Metcalf, what on, on, first of all, you start with the building blocks of routes. And you say you've got, in a general terms, and it gets more specific from here, but you start with the building blocks. You have obtuse routes. You have 90-degree angle routes, which either square cut or speed cut. And then you have acute routes. Yeah. And you say, what's well, you, we all remember those terms from geometry, right? If you can run a curl route, a hook route, which is an acute in-breaking route, well, you can run a comeback, which is an acute out-breaking route. A post route is an obtuse in-breaking route. A corner route is an obtuse uh, outbreaking route. There's certain things that you do. You 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 can't defy defy physiology in asking guys to run a route, but you can say, look, on an obtuse route, right? You, you do you do not chatter your feet whatsoever. And there's certain ways that when you plant your your uh, opposite leg. 
the angle with, and, and how you turn your hips and your shoulders matters. And, and, and on acute routes with him, the, the stop routes, what I would say is, is, look, your torso angle when you're running, it, let, let's say 90 degrees, is stra- or, uh, uh, 180 is straight up and down, all right? Let, so, so if you're leaning at, let's say, 165, mm-hmm. your body lean, when you get to the top of the route and you're ready to stop, right. the shoulders never go back. You never go back. You don't go to 166. Yep. You have your forward lean, and now as you drop your hips and you get your chin over your toes, now if anything, that angle goes from 165 to 155 or 150 you you hide your number so many times guys their shoulders will come back and then you say look your head is a very important part of this route because if you turn your head too fast yep and your head's one way and your body's going another you're going to take twice as long to stop right right so you tell them that their head doesn't get to come back until their outside shoulder comes back their eyes are important too. Where are you looking at the eyes? Because if you're staring at the ground, like so many guys do, sure, then you're telling the defender you're about to stop. So there, there's a handful of details that I think that Metcalf could still improve yeah, on. That's nuances within the routes that you're talking about. Nuances within the exactly, routes. Exactly. Yes, but he has yes, the yes, traits. Right, no doubt. He has the physical traits to do all of that. By the way, uh, 190 targets is 11 targets a game. It's like 11.2. Take it. You know how many times in 49 games DK Metcalf has had 11 targets or more? 49 games he's played in the regular season. He's had 11 targets seven times in those 49. All right. So well, there there would have to be – my point is this, and I don't disagree with you at yeah. all. I think if you're going to pay the guy, then use him for God's sakes. There would have to be a little bit of a shift, though, in Pete Carroll's philosophy. And his, his risk aversion philosophy would have to be flushed. Possibly. In a little bit of a way to get this guy the well, football. Now, 11 targets a game doesn't mean they're all go routes or fly patterns, right? That just means yeah. get the guy the ball well, uh, well, is what that means. It, it doesn't necessarily follow. I get, I get that there, that it implies that. But you could, in theory, you could raise your, your, pa- uh, your run pass percentages. Mm-hmm. Go back to, like, 2013 when they won the Super right. Bowl. They were right. number one in the NFL in terms of run pass percentage. Right which means they were dead last in terms of pass run percentage, right? The reciprocal is obviously true. So uh, <laughs> just to remind people. Thank okay. you for all that. Right, right. Appreciate but, that. But one could they, they could run with greater frequency and throw to DK Metcalf with even more frequency. And you're only talking about 11 yeah. targets. Wow. Well. Less, let, let's say less, he, less targets for Tyler Lockett, less targets for D. Eskridge. And I, I didn't Marquise know I was going to be held. I mean, so liber- I, maybe I shouldn't have. No, I, I just. 190 I mean, one ninety is a lot. That's number one well, in the it, NFL. It does, a lot of targets for me to have said one ninety does imply that I had thought it out. Okay, so so if you want to say one eighty, thought it out. Well, like I, most I things knew, you say. I knew is that, that your the, point. The top guys, I, I knew the top guys uh, that there's been guys at one ninety. Would you be happy with one hundred and seventy? Ten targets a game. You take that. You yeah. take ten. Yeah, right. I mean, you take eleven. You take ten. Put this way: What did Vince Lombardi said? We strive for perfection, knowing, knowing you'll that never we'll never get, get it. Exactly. In the process, yes. we catch excellence. If I say right now uh, we're striving for one ninety, and you get one hundred, and then we get one seventy because happy. we are striving for one ninety. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Millen wants two things: he wants more reps for Drew Locke and more targets for DK Metcalf. All right, Pete. That's I would all rather, he wants. I'd rather. You say, want to make the guy happy? Make him happy. Give me one hundred and seventy. It sounds like that's Drew Locke oriented. <laughs> I would say. No more than 50% reps for Geno Smith. Let's get a break. Uh, We'll do headlines. Marquise Goodwin's going to join us. We'll ask him about uh, DK Metcalf. What's it like to play with him? Coming up on Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.